Hello and welcome to Dateline New Haven. Did you forget? I'm Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines and the stories that make New Haven tick. And it's Pundit Thursday. And the leading minds of New Haven journalism and your co-host scrambling to keep up with them go over the headlines of the week and the true story behind them. Say good morning to Babs Rawls-Ivy, the editor of the Inner City News and host of Love Babs, Love Talk, Keeper of the Porch. Hello. (laughs) Veteran journalist (laughs) and mentor of the next generation, Markeisha Ricks. I like this. She should get a shirt that says Keeper of the Porch. (laughs) Lucy Gelman, editor of Arts Paper. Hey, hey. Morning, everyone. Good morning. Is it morning? Nope. Nope. It's officially afternoon. I got a really happy quote to start out to ask you who said this in a news story. Ready? Quote. This looks really bad. I thought it was a happy quote. I was was being uh, stupid humor. (laughs) I mean, like, uh, uh, probably a lot of people said that in the past couple of weeks. I'll wow, give you a hint. The her heat, first, the monkeypox, COVID. Her, 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 her first name it's is Yusinia. What? Yusinia. Rivera? Yes. Yes. What is her job? I don't know her. So. Is she BOE, right? She's the president of the Board of Education. Yeah. Oh, oh, I so didn't know that. The math, Board of Education is so reading. quiet that I didn't know that. And is she, this a math and reading thing? It is. She's recorded, she was reacting to the latest statistics about how we're reading oh. in New Haven. 84% oh, don't, please. of third graders are reading below. <laughs> below grade level but we're not willing to try the new literacy strategy which is really the old strategy which is really the old strategy right oh you mean like phonics yeah (laughs) so this is a big deal there's a crisis in reading because there was discussed at the board meeting crises in reading maya mcfadden was covering the meeting um matt mr david bustamante who's a board of ed member spoke about how classmates in high school cannot sound out basic words maya did a great job reporting this article that's a reading is in crisis you know how they taught slaves how to read yeah sounding out the damn letters so there's a whole controversy going on so reverend boise kimber who for some reason since justin ellicker became mayor and tried to sideline boys at Kimber and in the process made him more relevant than he's been in 40 years in New Haven because he's the only one saying things that need to be said, whatever the motivations. He's saying, why aren't we paying attention to reading? Why? There's a crisis. How can you guys still have your job after all this? So that was a press conference following that. Just like with the police chief. How can we have a police chief who's like, just wants to bring us back to 1979? Uh, Gerald Hampton says the real problem with the Board of Education is not much teaching is going on there. They prepare for tests. Thank you, Gerald, for listening. I, I don't think that's fair to teachers. Oh, teachers hate teaching to the test. I know. No, it. that's what I mean. I, what I mean is I don't think that comment. He's not saying that's the teacher's fault. Yeah. Saying that. But here's the thing that's striking to me. So the only person who's really speaking up about this is Boise Kimber, Reverend in New Hallville, right? And he's mad because he had an after school reading program that the mayor won't give money to because the, there's a board of ed member named Ed Joyner who doesn't like being criticized. And Boise Kimber's criticizing that he's supervising his own daughter. So it's all this kind of like mess, right? What about reading? So Boise Kimber says the one thing that needs to be said. What about the reading? This is a crisis. Do something. He didn't get in the weeds. And like, we don't like getting in the weeds. And there's a lot of stuff. Bab said this morning, you know, I don't want to get into the weeds. Just teach him how to read. But he didn't weigh in. Our reporter asked Kimber what I think might be the central question. Are we teaching them wrong? Mm. Because we had a hearing of the Board of Alders that was boycotted by the Board of Ed. Board of, the Education Committee brought in people from Brownsville and other cities that have just as little money as we do. They turned around the numbers by going with what is the latest fad based on 20 years of brain research that says for, for about 50 years, we had decided we have to try all different ways to try to keep, teach people to read because kids are different. Some kids, they could teach them to sound out the words. Other kids look at a picture to get a hint. Other kids should look at what a word looks like and guess it that way. So the brain research apparently over and over was saying, you're actually hurting the kid's ability to read, except for a small subset, very small subset. If you're teaching them to try to look at what a word looks like or a picture, because they're actually not developing the skills to learn how to figure out what words are. So it's not that everyone says phonics and only phonics, but we gone way away from phonics as being a major part where you sound out the words. So the people, the gerontocracy that runs our country, including me and the people of the Board of Ed, they're invested in like their whole career was we got to teach all these different ways because kids are different. And by the way, that's racist if you think they all learn the same way. It turns out one of the reasons we have this huge racial achievement gap 
is because cities like New Haven with a high proportion of minority students are teaching them wrong. That's the theory. So the digging in in New Haven, there was a state law introduced by an African-American woman from Stanford, promoted by Gary Winfield, who's been promoting this issue 10 years about going back to a more phonics space. They call it structured literacy rather than balanced literacy. We're the holdouts. Arlene Chase, the superintendent, said, we're not going to be bullied into this. This is the new fad. We, it works just well for us. And other people saying it didn't work as well because no one's learning to read. So that's a fight going on right now. I don't. That's the fight going on. But the people even raising the question like Kimber didn't even know what the question meant. Does anybody My care that said, kids are not reading? Just trying to. Because it would seem like, I think, to, to Babs is like frustration because I feel it, which is that like, okay, you changed to do this thing because you're like, I don't want to be racist about how we teach kids how to read, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to respect the fact that people learn all kinds and of ways. And that's just race. All kids I know, are, yeah. but I, I'm going with what you said earlier, which and which is like all kinds of kids are different. But also like now, this like if the research is saying, actually, we were wrong about that, like, like why can't we just do the thing <laughs> that needs to be done? Uh, and and Lucy, I don't care if you teach more phonics and then still teach the same way. Like, do both. I don't know. Yeah, well, like, Lucy but Hawkins like, is the woman. Who, and? Can Lucy, you do like, and? Why, well, but it's like, how much? Why? It's the formula. It's the formula. They're saying that if you teach them that other way, it actually makes it harder for them to read. This is how I learned. And I talked about this on my show. Every letter has a sound. Two sounds, actually. And when you put two letters or three letters together, they make a different sound. That's how I learned. I, I don't understand why this is challenging. I think it's because people our age have a hard time changing. So Lucy Corkins is a naval woman who built her whole career. She's a Columbia University educator. Her whole career in pioneering balanced But literacy. she's the one who said she was wrong. She said, I've been looking at these yeah. studies. I was wrong. Tens of thousands of schools. So people are arguing with her 10, that 000, she's not wrong? Tens of thousands of districts in the country use just her, her curriculum. Just her BOE. <laughs> So what do we do about how we get past this, folks? I think, I mean, I don't, I don't know how to tell people who, who, who stake their career on doing a thing a particular way and gotten lots of accolades for doing that. To, to okay, you were wrong. Like that, that was then. This is now. Other than, is there something that's going to make them like? Because if they can just walk away from it and say we're just not going to do it, then that's a problem. Somebody's head's got a roll, right? Like somebody, we have to find somebody else to do the thing. Well, because let's look if at that's the not the thing that works, we can't keep going down the same path, period. Well, the mayor, Justin Elliker, was asked by Maya McFadden what he thinks about this. And instead of answering the question about the reading. He said he's going to have a meeting so we so, can talk no, about so it. He said we need a lot more money. This is after a year we got 50 million extra for education, actually 100 million in, in <laughs> pandemic relief. We stayed out of bars a little bit more. And after his more. own city, his own city, they brought educators this goes from back, four though, cities. To my whole problem with boards of education and mm -hmm. why we don't give more teachers, like the teachers on the ground. I would like to hear from teachers, people who are in We're the classroom. Because if teachers are saying, yeah, we realized long ago that this isn't working and that we should have been doing something different, but people above us won't stop doing the thing. I think we need to listen to that. Some teachers we did listen to, they spoke up, Amber Moy and some others at Barnard School. They did an experiment with the- Where it works. And it it works. So they all got reassigned, including the principal. Oh, oh my God. What? So there's politics. To so me, that is at the level of the Atlanta teachers who yes. were, who were or like, like waiting the test, like basically giving yeah. the kids the answer so they can meet the requirements. So the, yeah. that's a disservice So the mayor kids, now owns period. the Board of Ed. He didn't his first term. He now has appointed a majority of the Board of Ed. He's very close to Ed Joyner on the Board of Ed, who's the single who loudest voice against this, who work, who's the number one black supporter his first campaign. Let's not forget this. He's the guy, the loudest voice against making this change. He's very tight with Eileen Tracy. He has a majority. So his first term, he said, it's not my fault the schools stay closed. I don't have a majority. He has a majority now. What would make him have to answer and not just say we need more money? To take a stand on this balanced literacy versus somebody should literacy. run against him on the education, thing, <laughs> even if they don't win. Like, just make oh, there's a, there's a laundry list of things that people could run against. Because I just if that's if that's what it's going to take to actually get him to do the thing. Is his kids reading on grade level? I'll bet they so. Are. I'm just asking. I'm asking for for my neighbors. I would, in New I would have bet on the fact that his wife is super smart. They are probably reading high above like yeah. grade level. Probably pretty talented. Can we get them kids. to care about the other kids mm -hmm. in this city? It's just so frustrating. It's it's just frustrating to me because if you cannot read, I mean, reading is the building block for everything. Like for if you cannot everything. read, you, you already know they'll build enough a beds for you. Yes, for that's you. right. That's right. In third grade, that is exactly. the, that is the, the jump off point. So why are we playing at this? We know that. and we know and we know what's supposed to work. The right? mayor has a political relationship with the people who are stopping this and making us the hold out. Let me tell you where I see this going. 
if we don't if we don't fix this you know how we're just closing all these prisons now and the numbers are we'll be down opening more in a, in a decade we will be back mm. at high numbers of ki- of children the prison the school to prison pipeline will be open yet again and and we won't be and we'll be back in this place a, a generation from now talking about well we would have just taught kids to read the way we know to teach kids to read oh. and it sounds like what needs to happen is that also, we so... need to make this politically consequential. I don't know how we do that, but it needs to be politically consequential. You know, Ed Joyner is an elected official. He's he's not appointed. He's elected. So who's running against Ed Joyner? Mm-hmm. Nobody ever does. Well, they should. Someone should run against every last Actually, one of those. Actually, Amber Moy, who's one of the teachers who spoke about this, did have a campaign. It didn't get super far. And she called it off. From I, hey, I Amber, probably... come to the campaign school. We got mm-hmm. you. Oh, maybe that'll be different. So maybe next time she can. <laughs> we run. got you. But I think it's, it's also like. Because <laughs> I just I'm tired, right? Like, I'm I'm tired. I'm tired of like this idea that like, again, to, to Babs's point that 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 like this is like do the thing. Yeah, we know what's what works. We know what works. Do the thing. If you don't want to do the thing, get out of the way of the people who want to do the thing. Yeah. Like that's I'm I'm tired of that. That's what's exhausting to me about the current political structure. Like if you don't want to do the thing, please go home. Other people want to do the thing. Take your little awards and whatever accolades and go on and retire or whatever. Get out the way. Get out the way. You you heard that first. That's right. I'm exhausted. WNHHFM. We have smelling salts and other aids for people who are exhausted (laughs) and hunched up because we have 45 more minutes here on WNHH. I'm not that kind of exhausted. I'm 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 the like yeah. I'm the <laughs> quote. Who said this? Ready? Lucy's gonna know this immediately. I'm not. Babs might. Oh, you just want the pressure off because then if you know it, then you will not live she, up. She so it's no biggie. It. It's fine. Catch. Oh. <laughs> Catch. But, um. So someone said that someone it was else a quote of a quote, said, right? Yeah, the, which may or may not have been accurate. So the quote. so Ray Tennant's lawyer. Ray Tennant. Did he say it? He said that's what he said okay. when he sent oh, his, when he he threw the and sent his wife to the hospital. Yeah. yeah. He said he wasn't fighting. He would try to hurt her. This is this the, the top cop in Dixwell who had a SWAT team come and seal off the East Shore when he's threatened up shoot up the neighborhood and had a loaded AR-15 ready to go. Had three incidents in just a few weeks of allegedly beating up his wife. Um, he was arrested and he turned out a plea deal because he wants to be exonerated. Norm Pattis wouldn't keep representing him because mm. he thought he should take the plea deal. So he gets Richard Silverstein, who will go for broke. He's a lawyer. He'll do like, okay, then he'll just try anything. And Ray Tennant prevailed and got all the serious charges dismissed against him because he told his version of the story. His wife's story is that he was and, freaking out because um, there were child welfare people coming to check in because the you know of abuse going on in the house and there was a plan for the wife to leave. And then he's threatened, accusing her of, of infidelity. So he gets really mad and she says through this Lysol can at him and injured her. And then there were all these testimony about how the, all the stuff that was going on, including the phone, taking away his sort of classic um, domestic abuse. He testifies and he says, oh, I'm so big and I got all these guns and muscles. I, if I really wanted to hurt her, I've got to tell you, she sure would have been hurt, which is like somehow persuasive. The jury. Like and he said, his version is that he just said, oh, here, catch. No. I was throwing a Lysol can to you. No. Here, catch. The jury thought that they couldn't tell whom to believe. It wasn't just men on the jury. They no, couldn't tell who to believe, so they let him off. The jury too. You know, Babs has a long history working with um, domestic violence, people, victims of domestic violence. What were you thinking about all this? I know it's tough for you because you know the people. I, you know, uh, they are personal friends of mine, and I've known them even before they were married. I knew them before they had children. I knew they were just dating. And when she was coming back and forth to Connecticut from Pennsylvania. Um, I mean, you know, people... What people don't understand about domestic violence, they always think that if if you're in that situation, why don't you just get out? And so it's always the whoever's being abused. It's it, it's always on their fault. And it's almost like saying because you stay, you are asking for this abuse. That's usually how. So when people hear this stuff in the in the jury, what they think is, oh, if this was me, I would just leave. So they project their own what they think they might do in and that it's back situation. Back to the research because we now know for decades a lot of women stay in tough situations for a whole variety of psychological reasons. Well, you know, reasons. it's not easy for women to just leave. There's a whole lot of things that got to happen before you could leave, right? And she had a plan. She was going to leave the next day. She had a plan for when her husband yes. had a trip to for to, Philly. You have to understand money and resources, and who do you tell, and where do you go, and 
and all of those kinds of things happen. And they have small children. So it's not easy to just go. No, you can't just go. You have to have yeah. a plan. We used to tell them you always have a plan. Don't be telling people your plan, but have a yeah. plan so that you can get out of a so situation. She, had a plan. she was one day away. But to the jury's point, like into what Babs just said, what could be going on in the mind of the jurors? Well, like that, that could sound reasonable to them to like the idea that like, if if the prevailing thought process is if it, if I were in that situation, I would have just left and they're putting themselves in the people's shoes as opposed to being like the facts of the matter are this. They're, they're actually probably putting like, oh, if I'd been in that's like, oh, he really is a big guy. He could have hurt. Like if I were in that situation, he could have hurt me. He probably wasn't trying to hurt me if he threw like I could see people rationalizing. that. Yeah, way. the attorney was effective. Rick Silverstein, he said, yeah. you have no other firsthand evidence but the woman. And yeah, and the man. So you have he like said, she said, and he said he misused the Jewish, uh, a Jewish um, scriptural um, statement. He said in the, in the, in the Talmud, actually, it's not scripture. They say that you need to have more than one witness to a crime, but that's not any crime. That's before you put a person to death. Mm. They were trying to stop the rabbis a couple thousand years ago. The kind of and is the attorney Jewish? Do. Yeah. So people are going to take his word for it yeah. if they're not you. But they don't mean right. that you just let some guy walk off. But again, <laughs> if the other attorney isn't savvy enough to say, hey, hey, hey. Well, the state's attorney who the state's attorneys deal with cops, right? That's their people. And they wanted to pursue this case, but they clearly, at least I was reading Tom Green's great coverage. They throw him under the It under didn't the seem, seem like yeah. a mismatch. They're like, we just want to no. make sure you're punished. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's, I, I, it's just classic domestic violence stuff. Yeah. Like women yeah. don't ever win. Just like rape cases. They don't, we don't, women don't walk away winning. There's no winning in any of this, mm -mm. you know, and there's and definitely no justice. And, no. and they like to side with men. I, I, that's just the reality. Men could beat women all day and night and get away with it. Yeah. And you we're could and legally beat your wife. That used to be a thing. Right. And we're in a country that does not believe women. It does not believe mothers. It disempowers, you know, women. Mothers. All of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. She thought on Thursday pundits, Dateline New Haven, WNHHFM with Babs Rolls, Ivy, Lucy Gilman, and Markeisha Ricks. Many people think it's scary. Who said this? Especially kids who grow up inside on computers. We just want to make it loved by all. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> is this the, the basketball tournament? Nope. No, no. I was the just park? thinking of kids going outside. It's Bing. some kind of park. Oh, yes. The bridge. Marquise, got it. Yes. Yes. Nancy. I mean, Lucy always gets <laughs> the, the bridge. Nancy. Is that the bridge of Westville? Nan, Nan. I was saying Nancy. Nan, Nan Bartow. Nan was the one who's, oh, she's yeah. one of the nature people where you she live. She used to be my neighbor. Yeah, and she was there with her granddaughter. She was a great there. They, they restored a footbridge in the woods near McConaughey Terrace between West River, between Valley Street and Whaley. You know, sir, with Tommy Case was the man around the dispensary. You go through the oh, woods there. Go through the woods there. There's some wooded area. And then you go to West Rock Park, into West Rock. And it's really nice. But people had to stop their hikes and go elsewhere because the bridge was, was broken. Out. They fixed. They did a really nice job in building this. I want to crow. Oh, I love that. And they had I'm a nice, happy ceremony for that. Now, so many good things happen in New Haven. That's a good thing. That is a good thing. Is I tell a, people all the time, like, we, we have the best of so many worlds. We can go to the beach, go hiking. And do city things. We have beautiful parks. We, we really do. do. Yeah, we really do. Shouts out to all the people who help maintain yes. parks. Yes. And, and if you who haven't been to the, the people who do not maintain the parks. And if you haven't gone to the, the, church, yes, to the right. party rose garden, you are really missing mm -hmm. a beautiful oh treat. That's a special spot. I love that place. There's so many there. special spots all over. There are. Mm -hmm. so, nice. so is this good news? I don't know. Let me see what you think. Oh. It must mean it's bad news. It must mean it's bad news. Actually, not sure. This is about reading again. Please don't let it be about reading. Who said this quote? We're yeah. really open to what you think. At the end of the day, if the community says we don't want it, we won't do it. Is it the absence? It wasn't Justin. <laughs> yes, it was Justin. Oh, well, really? What are you talking about? Bicycle lanes or something? What? Nope. What? He's talking about the former state welfare building on Bassett Street. Oh. oh. Now that has been empty for years. And, you know, the hope was it was a really cool plan growing up at Heart yep. Administration, but it just didn't happen. The money wasn't there. They were going to do a worker-owned co-op laundry. Um, so now they're going, what do we do with the building? So adult ed right oh, now has yeah, a terrible lease 
on the boulevard. It's got a really bad landlord. Jack up the rent. The conditions are bad. Not a great location. Yeah, it's a so, terrible location. So they're thinking, let's go right in the community. So some people like the idea because they're saying, who this doesn't is, like this? Well, because they're saying, because they're always saying, like, what do you do with a big building that's right by the trail? Something that builds up and empowers the community. So some people are saying, you know, we want, you'll say what you want, but you can't always get exactly right. what kind of business you want because it might not have the money or the ability. Right. There's a reason buildings are vacant. So they're saying that um, some people are saying we want stuff that creates opportunity empowerment. Elliker wasn't pushing it, but he's saying, I happen to agree with the proposal. Devin Optionalum Smith, they all agree with the proposal because they say this is, in fact, what gets you the opportunity. Mm. Adult basic ed is pretty basic, pretty core, giving opportunity yeah. to people who didn't make it through high school and then they make it through and they can get good jobs. And... So who doesn't want it? They, the the neighbor was a little mixed. They weren't shooting it down. Okay. Well, anyway. you know what it is. They they want some other things too, and this seems to have taken a priority over uh, what they wanted in terms of a a center that can youth take center. everyone's supposed to use a, a youth center, but a youth center that does double duty for the community yeah. Yeah. in other ways. So I I don't think people are against educating people. Is there a not. way? Like is I mean, it sounds it sounds like that's something that could be both right like like adult ed needs new space period like that just needs to happen but also like is could there not be also room for this other community if it's a big building is it big enough i don't know it's a good question marquise you know so there's you know there's the new q house not super far there used to be the new hallville teen center that right around the corner something yeah it it deserves its own yeah yeah i wonder was there was that storefront in dixville it used to be the teen center right is that still ever open Oh, I don't know what that is. Yeah. yeah. I, their faces. Yeah. yeah I no, I don't, so. know, I don't know what that mm-hmm. is. I thought that was, I thought it was like a workspace, like a yeah, shared it, workspace. It sounds like or... something that would do dual duty. I, I mean, I guess what always is a challenge, you know, can we, can we use those ARPA funds for it? Like yeah. what can we, what money can we use? Cause I and think we did that in the Hill, the Barbell the... Club, Hill Crop Review Services, yeah. which used to be the Q House of the Hill in Trowbridge Square. <laughs> school. Oh yeah. Trowbridge Middle School. And do you remember Bummy Moore? Yeah. He'll crop a view. Yes, 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 yes. I was yes, there once yes. in the 80s when he had these little kids. He used to have a billion kids doing stuff. Bummy there. Moore, for those of us he who are Cheryl not Bummy from Moore here. ran the Barbell Club for decades. And he loved kids. And I my my enduring image of him is standing in the Barbell Club and every little kid just wanted to touch him. Mm-hmm. They'd all come up while he's talking and say, I guess Mr. Moore or whatever. They would just lightly put their finger on his like leg or on his like shirt. Must be admitting some kind of energy that they're like, yes, it's good to them. He was kind to children. Yeah. You know, there are people who are kind to children and treat children like human beings. So they're using state and for money to reopen and support that, reading that community center. But the city's going to run it. I was on New Haven Reed site. I'm going to go volunteer. Are you okay? So I, nobody criticizing, like, can be like, you criticize me, you do. I'm going to go well, I used to do yeah. read aloud day every day. They, and need, then, they have a wait list. So they need whole, you. New Haven Reach has a wait list. They have a huge wait list. They have like 300 kids on their wait list. Oh, kids, not not for volunteers. No, no, they have, they have a huge, huge. This brings me back to the reading thing. I mean, to read. yeah. public schools just aren't going to do it. Like, they're great teachers who right. do well, but we need stuff like New Haven Reads. Well, you know, listen, I used to run Jumpstart for young children in this city. So I stood in the Oval Office with Bill Clinton talking about reading to children. Yeah, so also, I just, just find this crazy. And Lucy Gilman puts yeah, in her she time. Yeah, she puts in her time. Her. Tom Brady, Marquis, she'll do it. Yep. I'm going to join y'all. And you get a kid who you, you talk to and you read. It's special. Yeah, just a quick plug. Like, go volunteer. New you reads. It's like minimum commitment one hour a week. Yes. You probably have an hour. Yeah. It's, it's so it. joyful. And my, my new gig gives me 40 hours Ooh. every Ooh. year to volunteer. So, so I can possibly give more than one hour. Yes. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe it. That. That's annoying. I'm very annoyed by this reading. Yes. It's, it's really like as a, somebody who was either mimicking reading at three or was actually reading at three. I just it just annoys me. I was reading at three and my children it were reading too. <laughs> so like reading is so fundamental having an opportunity. It is. And, and it's not even just fundamental opportunity wise. It's it's a like being able to read is a joyful is a experience joy. and it's freedom. And when you connect yeah. to a book, even if you cannot physically go places, when you can read, you can travel, you can go places. Yeah. And I don't want any child mm-hmm. to be denied the opportunity to, to read and experience things because adults are annoying. Mm-hmm. And you right, don't that, like that. That's mm-hmm. because, you know, more important you, than the opportunity. Because their ego the is more important. Because when you sit in a class, and you can't read. read, you get angry. 
You and, get angry. And you tear turned, out the classroom because you're like, why are we doing this? I mean, often <laughs> what I what I have seen with some kids at New Haven Reads, and this is very limited, but it's often they feel like it is their personal failing. And that is like freaking hard. And no child should have that personal failings that's in absolutely their body right. at, at right. that age. Yeah. Right. That, and it manifests physical. Yeah. I mean, I even think about like my love for reading aloud and wanting to do like voiceover work is because I was the kid, like when it came time to read, I would always volunteer. And, you know, I noticed that my other classmates didn't volunteer. Like it'd be a handful of us. Oh, we want to read. Like, oh, you've already read. But nobody else is going to volunteer. I loved it. Yeah, I loved and it I got too. opportunities like like this opportunity right here to to you. Like I got picked to do morning announcements. And be and I would be going down the hall like a celebrity because it's like, oh my gosh, you did so good reading those announcements. Like, mm -hmm. like I had presence and voice and all that stuff. And I didn't even know you what do. any of that was. You do it but because you people were like, wow, you're so good at reading. Mm -hmm. And my mother, like she, like she might say no to things, but if we were in the store and I said, mom, can I get a book? Mm -hmm. She always said, yes. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to go to the library, yes, always. So yeah. like, I just, uh, so, so we want children so to have bad. that. We want <laughs> children really? to have that same experience. I, I understand so everything she said because I was that same child. Oh my you know, gosh! My I was a kid. My mother would let me stay up. Like if it was Friday, I started reading a book on Friday. She'd let me stay up all night reading books, and it'd be Sunday. She's like, "All right, you gotta get ready for school." <laughs> but she would make me do my homework on Friday because she knew that's what I was gonna do. Mm. Spend all weekend reading. Mm. And in fact, it got to the point where, like, if I got in trouble, I got to choose my punishment. And but she I couldn't choose being grounded just to be grounded because she knew I would sit in my room and read the entire time. <laughs> so she's like, nah, we're going to get into some manual labor. We're going to go clean out the tool shed. And and then but that's how I got into organizing. So that's a whole nother. But my mother Your was, mom was clever. Awesome. Your mom was awesome. she was coming. She's like, this kid is crazy. Clever. <laughs> but again, I got to find the things that I loved by reading. And can you imagine a kid that I got to that work in the library? That? That's sad to me. I had to work in the library. I had to tutor little kids. I would go. I got the chance. I was like, why was I out of class so much? <laughs> like I got to be a peer um, like librarian. So I got to go work in the library, me and this one other girl. And then I don't even know what this program was in our school, but then I would get to go to a, um, a first grade or a kindergarten class and I would get to work with the little kids. They were grooming e me to one, be a teacher or a librarian. Teach, it's funny I didn't come any one, of those right? things. I don't know what it was called. Each one teach one when I was a kid. I don't, I don't know I don't that know it had, it but either. I got to get out of class to do those things. So I'm like, like help kid. Yes. I don't, come on. Yep. Whoever is like standing in the way there's come on. They need to get out of the mayor, way. Get your ego mayor, together. School, board of That's all I'm going to say. Then, like, then we need, you, then we need all your, new of that. Mm -hmm. Or you've had your moment. You've had your tantrum this summer. Let's get it together. Like. You wouldn't stand for this kind of behavior in kids. We can't stand for it in you as adults. Don't, and I just no one don't can do ever. It. And if you need me to say that to your face, I will. No one will <laughs> like, ever. Accuse. I and I stand it. right there with you. I can't. I can't. Like that. What I want to say to at least two out of three of those people. Not all three. Y'all are better people than this. I believe in you. I believe you're better people than this. And I'd like to see them do better. So get on out of your feelings. And let's get to it. All right. it's, it's about it's about more than that. I can't. I, I, can't, I can't. So you've heard you've heard the marching orders <laughs> here on Pundit Thursday on oh WNHHFM 103.5 live streamed at NewHavenIndependent.org. Marquisha X, Lucy Gellman, Babs, Rose Ivy, nobody. I'm going to go sign up for New Will ever accuse today. any Good. of you and not Karen. Quote. Ready? Yes. Here's a trick one. <laughs> Aren't they all trick ones? Well, the trick here, I'm going to give you an advance. I have I got to read more closely. This is two people. This is two people. These are, I'm quoting two people here. Ready? Quote. Are you mashing up this as a remix? No, nope, no, nope. it's a conversation. All right. Captured on video. Okay. Oh. Can I make you kill me? What? Oh, I know the story. I don't want to kill you. This is the police story about yes. um, Officer Chad Curry. Yeah. You know him, right? Mm hmm. Family's house is right by the prison there, the jail, I mean, on Whaley. Mm -hmm. He's a, he's a good cop. He's very good at talking to people. And he was at Bella Vista with a guy with a knife. And it wasn't the kind of thing where he was necessarily going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. But it was an old man with a knife. I guess he was what, it was like a cop by suicide situation. Mm -hmm. And we've had situations like that in New Haven where officers did not know how to handle it. One guy got killed. This was years back. David Rundley killed him. Um, it's tough to deal with people with mental illness. Mm -hmm. That's why we're trying to do this crisis response team thing. Chad Curry talked the guy down got the knife. It wasn't a, the hugest thing that ever happened. It wasn't going to be a big 
tragedy, but it could have gone wrong. Mm -hmm. And it went right. And we, we end the video. Tom Breen wrote a story about what happened in the independent. I say kudos to Chad Curry. Kudos to Chad Curry. He's a good cop. Yeah. That's what we want police we want to not kill people. And we also, I mean, <laughs> not for nothing. I'm, I don't know that police want to hear this because I'm, I'm sure not every situation obviously is, is going to work out that way. Um, but more cops who are willing to do that, right? Like that's a skill set. Yeah. And it's, I don't know if it's a skill set. Like I think, you know, some, some officers probably naturally have that kind of ability. Right. Some don't. And some yeah. don't. And, and if, and I, but I think if the desire to be a police officer, like you, you need to look for people who, who either have it or want that kind of skill, right. Who want to be like, that's the kind of police yeah. officer I want to be. A couple of years. And we want to elevate those officers. Yeah. We want them to know, like we, we really appreciate what you do and we value that instead of like, you know, the dangerous stuff. A couple of years ago, it was alleged that we were going to have something called a crisis response team that has <laughs> like mental health workers go out to some of the calls. It'll only be like 10% of the calls, but you know, alleged. calls like this, you know, other cities have got that going. Yeah, yeah. There's a rumor that it might happen at some point. So maybe we won't need those other officers who might not have that but training. I want, maybe I get want the officers because aren't some, aren't there some officers who are part of those teams? Yeah. Okay, I want, I want, I want all officers to want to be a part but of those teams. We used to, we used to train way. them with the Australian Style study point. to pair with child psychologists to work with kids who see violence. You know, that, that's yeah, I just, I want way. this kind of. What I want is a is 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 training and and pairings that suggest to people that this is policing, like mm -hmm. this too is policing, and that. Because, you know, not for nothing, you have people who want to get into uniforms, whether it's military uniforms or policing uniforms, because they want power. They're like, you're going to put a gun in my hand and that's going to make me powerful. Like in the Ray Tennant trial, when one of the um, higher ranking detectives was cradling the AR-15 and saying how much he'd like to have one. Like right, yeah. right. Like there are people who are like, I just like guns. I want to blow some stuff up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to run over somebody with a tank. Like, and... And people who train the people who do this work see those people. They see them and they need to flag them and say, no, <laughs> I don't even want you to be a mall security cop. That's right. You need to find another work area of work. Yeah. Mercenary. I don't know. You're but like you don't No, you, I've seen some things go bad great, at the mall. <laughs> but malls are great settings for dystopian novels. Like where, where society falls apart and kind of what happened at the mall. Yeah. Okay. Quote, who said this? The city gets a bad rap. But it's where my heart is. Me, I said that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you, you probably did say that at some point. That. Give you a hint. A neighbor of Babs. Well, not a close neighbor, but a neighborhood neighbor of Babs Rawls. Oh, is this the guy who was playing the saxophone on his porch? Nope. Oh, oh there was there's a guy playing the yeah. saxophone. And it wasn't not, on my not in your mall, though. That was being <laughs> oh. Yeah. oh, okay. West Hazel Street. Tamika Baines grew up in New Hallville. She volunteers, baseball coach. She's a behavioral therapist in the public schools. Yes. She bought a house oh, through yeah, neighborhood yeah. housing yes. services. And she's a new neighbor there. And, you know, there's always, I think it's a pretty blue house. Oh. And so they did a great job. You know, neighborhood housing services. I want one of those houses so bad. They've done a lot in New Hallville because <laughs> they want to make a difference of a cluster of houses mm -hmm. in an area. Like they did a lot near um, the IVC school on Winchester. Mm -hmm. What they do is they get an older house and through using tax credits and other and philanthropic contributions like, for like banks, the they can afford to do a nice job of rehabbing and then keep the price low. So then they get working class homeowners, people that say work at Yale 35 or something, right? Or someone like this who's public schools, mm -hmm. often from the neighborhood. So they can afford to buy it and then they pair it with training and running a house. Like, Love it. And then you have enough money up front so you can buy that new boiler when you move in. So you're not going to be one paycheck away from losing a house if the boiler breaks. Yes. And it's just such a well thought out Love it. way. I just wish they could scale or, or and get more property like that. The number of people who are waiting to buy a home, they just have to get them and get them rehabbed. Like, well, you know, some of the city government have felt there because the guy who starts started it is white, Jim Paley. There was a feeling that he was a usurper in New Hallville mm -hmm. and they, they wanted other groups to get it who didn't necessarily have the same results. I remember going with Delphine Clyburn, who was an alder in New Hallville. And she was always kind of against he's getting too much property. And I went door to door with her when she was now trying at, to get. Now look who's getting all the property. Right, yeah. I, I was going to say, that even more. she was trying to get neighbors to sign a petition against them getting approval for tax credits because she thought they were getting too much approval. Oh, I, I went along Delphine. just trying to figure out what the argument was. And I have to admit, as an outsider, I was trying to understand. Because there's enough bad property to go around, but if you fix it up and people of color own it who are from the neighborhood and have the ability to like, build then up you that get, get asset essentially wealth. essentially what you wanted. And I don't know, I think sometimes there's this positioning, rightly or wrongly, that like, and 
that some like the getting too much because mm. you know obviously he, he wasn't getting the property for himself like there's that but like because i mean and this this probably is probably true because of whiteness he has access to things that people somebody who was doing his same thing no question might not have no, no question so it looks like going to give him some of the right yeah. and so to the neighborhood and and delphine's point like it, it would look like that oh you know even if we had another organization that was doing the exact same thing, if they're bidding for the same house, if that's a perception and that he gets it 70% of the time or something like that, like he gets it more than, than somebody who's doing the exact same thing. Or even if it's not just the getting the house, it's getting the resources to do the things that they do more easily or he's more trusted, then I can see how that it would feel a yeah, way. Like why is he get so much? But Listen. if at the end of the day is to put people from the neighborhood in housing that they own, they're nonprofit too. I mean, so he's I, not listen, making any profit. I like Jim Payton. I like what they do, but I'm never going to lose sight of that. We have seen people come into our neighborhoods and say all kinds of things yeah. and promise all kinds of things, mm. not just a generation, but for 400 years. Mm, yeah. So I understand when people sort of feel some kind of way because they, this is new and they don't know that there's no track. When he came, he had no track. Yeah, but record. By this time there was 40 years. Well, of but, yeah, but yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't matter yeah. when, when white folks come into our neighborhoods, at some point, we always believe they're going to turn and it's not going to be what it is. And I, so and that's I just I don't say that to say we should distrust or whatever. I just say, let's just hold space is for that historical aspect mm -hmm. of why sometimes we may not embrace things in our own best interest, mm -hmm. not because we're stupid or not because we don't care. Or but we just because don't white people. We just we just <laughs> cautious. A basis for it. You know, we have a real history with that. A basis. So, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. I, I was going to say, I th I think also, you know, yes, even if, if there were those 40 years of trust building, Paul, I think that in New Haven, what I've observed as someone who, so I grew up in Detroit, I've lived here for about 10 years at this point, but I think that mistrust is often earned because when white people are coming into neighborhoods, it's often with very extractive purposes because of the $43 billion bouncy castle that lives in the middle of town. And and so like and and that is just real, right? <laughs> right, like that I, is sure that is real. Um, it, it really is a bouncy castle. When Lucy says that, I really picture all yes. those gothic buildings, like, I, and I picture all these kids like. Hopefully, bouncing. you won't get any strongly worded emails about poking the bear. That happened to me when I was a reporter. Oh, yeah, I'm serious right now. Who who? Oh, oh. Okay, yeah, I got those. Really, too. I didn't even respond. I was I like. Oh my goodness! I want to hear that backstory after this. Okay. I should have kept that. Who will say this quote? Uh oh, over and over again. After there's one more vote at the board of Alder. Hey, what? This is a quote. Who's going to say, "quote person with a disability"? Oh, oh nobody. Well, Nobody's going to say. Or no, that's the first person e thing. Though. E everybody, person in first theory, uh, but not the handicapped parking signs outside. You get what well, you read. That's only been well, up Bridget, like two Bridget hours. Noss is my girl, though. I mean, she's like she's really doing cool stuff. I think Babs, you had her on what like a year ago. Yeah, when so she let's first tell me what she says. The city's she's about awesome. to have a new rule for its laws. Like mm -hmm. we changed all the person, all their man, the alder, and all their person. Mm -hmm. We are changing that we aren't going to call people handicapped. We're going to call them person, person with, with disability. disability. And similar or down the line, in all city laws, with the exceptions, Lucy, very close reader. She does live with the person who wrote the article, but still close I mean, reader. I also am I should, I also read the article. disabled person. Like just want to put you a person out. with disability. Okay. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I have, you can, I, I was going to say, do you have feelings? So well, this is no. in the law. This is in the law that if it passes one more vote, our laws will be rewritten and written going forward without the word handicapped, except for parking. And the reason given was that it's kind of a term of art almost. People recognize it as meaning something, so mm -hmm, they want it mm -hmm. to work for the person who mm -hmm. needs the parking space. Thoughts on that, Lucy? Oh, yeah. Well, as the spokesperson for and all people with disabilities in the United States. What are your personal <laughs> thoughts for yourself? Um, so, so I have to say there was this discussion and question around. So uh, in some places, you'll see signs that say reserved parking. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And it doesn't always specifically say parking reserved for persons person with, with disabilities. Right, right. And I, I, for me, if I see a sign that says handicapped parking, I do not feel personally offended. Mm -hmm. um, I think the person first language is really important. And I think it's something that we should be loud and really proud about and talk about far beyond the board of alders. This is something we should be talking about in our classrooms and in our workplaces. But I'm also much more interested in policy. Like as someone, and 
you know, I, whatever. I, I don't want to get into how there is no hierarchy for how a person can be disabled because that is a whole other show. That's interesting. Um, but but for someone who does have uh, somewhat limited mobility, but is like I'm still bipedal, that is a privilege. Um, there are a lot of accessibility issues in New Haven. A lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are so many accessibility oh, I issues that in New when Haven. I was Absolutely. moving around with a cane. I'm Absolutely. Like, <laughs> and and so what I am most interested in, and I think what Gretchen Knopf is most interested in, is policy that actually makes the city a livable place for, for people who have disabilities mm-hmm. and for everyone. Because when people with disabilities win, everyone wins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's a new person in mm-hmm. oil years to go yeah. on the shelter parade. Yeah. Disabilities. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, anything we do that that makes the city more useful to us all. Because at some yeah, point we're, we're all going to experience we, we, some we disabilities. We are all temporarily yes. able-bodied. We are, I like that. that. We're all temporarily able-bodied. Whether we age into it or whether right. surgery or whatever. Or something, or, happens. Meds, or something happens. I think this kind of, and it's it's probably like an American cultural thing to mm. to focus on the people who don't have any disabilities, the people who are young, like that's all we kind of care about. But you're like, that's not the reality of being human. Mm-hmm. Well, well, but it, it's also like all of this. I mean, we talked about this, what, three weeks ago. All of this lives under the umbrella of white supremacy. Like ableism is tied to white supremacy. And and the fact that we do not um, redistrib- redistribute resources in this country based on who is most vulnerable. Absolutely. And and to your point to bridge for the people, because they're going to be people really in their feelings about you saying, how is that? How's that even racial at all? And it like, is so racial. <laughs> it is so racial because I like I, I will say I, it's based on this idea of what's good for the able bodied white guy mm-hmm. who has yeah. money. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, what's good for that guy? It's if it's also, good for that guy and that who is cares the, about everybody. That's right. Who's not that this, guy. I that's the center of everything all the time. Right. If I walk into YNHH because I have an appointment with my neurologist, I'm a white woman. So people are more likely to trust me. I am a patient advocate. Or, or like a patient advocate for myself. English is my first language. I have been at YNHH next to people who have limited mobility, who do not speak English, who do not have access to a translator, right? And even so for people if, who do speak English, unless, because I just had to send a, a, a message to an attorney. And I know the way that I worded what I wrote is going to be different than someone who doesn't have my level of right. education and command of the English yeah. language. And I know how oh. to turn on my, I'm educated, don't, like don't play with me (laughs) i know how to turn that on to get results that's right and it's it's a code switch right like it's but like if you don't know how to do that things go real different for you and that's across the board that's That's, across the board that's an education because i just had this conversation Mm -hmm. with somebody you know when you're a parent and you got to go to these Mm -hmm. iap meetings and they come in one way and they get you around a table like an inquisition and if you don't speak the language that they throw at you, with these right. acronyms and all the other kinds of And if you don't come with receipts about, oh, well, we've been doing this and we do this. And and I know that we are we have access to this because this is what the law says. You're going to yeah. get it. So so my answer is, yes, I think it's great. I want to see, see there's levels to this. Thing. I want to see people. I want to see people first policy and not just I will just say people first language, not, not just people first language from the city. Right. Mm-hmm. This is not just a municipal thing. This is a state thing. Mm-hmm. Our DOT does not give a you know what about folks with disabilities. Facts on facts. You're listening to Thursday <laughs> pundits on Dateline New Haven. And we're just, I, I was curious about something. Who, who said the following? Quote. Lucy's going to know this right away. I'm not. Like, there you go. The pressure's on now. So then if she gets it right, of course, she was supposed oh to get God, it right. But if she doesn't, oh, man, she was supposed to get it right. We should start getting it. We should keep a I little scorecard. Like a, like a square jar, but it's a question Quote, jar. Okay, yeah. Lucy will never get this in a million years. Quote. She's definitely going to get it. I don't think there should be a concern about the grass because grass does grow in the shade. Who said that? <laughs> is this about football? No, I don't know what this is about. This is about something that gets my goat. Like people mowing there? I like like the the city's rules around. There's an apartment complex in Hamden on Mixed Avenue called Chestnut Hill. Oh, I know it. I know it. And they wanted in their parking lot, they wanted a few spaces to be reserved for solar panels so that they could Mm. stop. This is on a week. So they came before the zoning board saying, we want permission to have a few parking spaces be for solar panels mm-hmm. because, you know, the climate's burning up. It's the same week that we had record temperatures reported all over the country, mm-hmm. people yeah. dying and all these weather-related events. And they said no, because they said they were worried that some of the landscaping might not grow well if a, if a um, 
solar panels in the way, so they have to go back and come up with a whole new plan. Come on. Are we ever going to just... Grass is burning up. This same grass is burning up under the sun because we ain't had rain in like... Well, you know, historically... Calm this down. Is a this is a story in the into flame, right? Yeah, basically. But it's all these small decisions that a lot of times it's these historical districts all over the country who don't like the look of solar panels. Listen, they don't let they're people not going to like house. the look of everything on fire okay. <laughs> because hot. <laughs> like, what is wrong? Y'all, y'all we, gotta we just, stop. We just gonna, <laughs> we gonna just extinct ourselves off. The like, but it's gonna, be, but it's gonna be a pretty death, Babs, and the, the well, history of it the is gonna be preserved. Good when you drop dead at the historic right. taste, certainly tastes. Ugh. Okay, quote: Who said? Oh my God, we have magic soil. Whoa, whoa! They they need to talk to the people who want to grow things <laughs> under the solar panel. <laughs> they were saying, by the way, it's not gonna affect the grass. But anyway, well, who says we have magic soil? Lizette, a hemp farmer? Lizette Fla Flores and Liz Johnston, who live on Perkins Street. <gasps> Can America, I get some of that for my plant? They I have the most beautiful story. garden with both the flowers and the vegetables. It. And they brought some stuff to Puerto Rico that turned out they learned how to grow here. Nice. And the, the hit of the neighborhood. And this thing is the same block as the Isn't community it garden. It? Yeah, Perkins Street. Okay. It's, cool. Their They're garden featuring the front is page so of the beautiful. Right. Veggie, fruit trees, Thanks for talking to these people who don't want the solar panels. <laughs> Quote, I'm helping support my family right now. Who said that? Ooh. The hint: the person wasn't able as much to help support a whole family before that. Mm. A twenty-year-old barista named mm. Jessica Hay, who works at Graduate New Haven Hotel, oh, you know, they oh, just they got, got a union. union. Yeah. They got a union that's going to be on the Unite Here Health plans. Um, they're going to have days off now. They can count on job security and wow. working up twenty dollars an hour. That's great. Well, there was no to some freedom. At first, when the hot when the hotel was getting approved, the union delayed it, and they got really mad. This chain came in to upscale the old Duncan mm -hmm. Chapel, mm -hmm. and they were getting have not stopped. been in this place yet. Me either. And they were getting fought by the union because some people didn't like the old Duncan leaving, but they, you know, the, the economics weren't working. Right, right. And they said upscale, whatever. But people were saying uh, the union wanted them to promise. They'd have a union before the city yeah. game approved and they didn't. But now instead of fighting the union, they agreed They'd to agree. card check neutrality and there is a union there. Good. Congratulations. I, I am so happy we live in a union city. Yeah. I was gonna I say think I that's think a good thing. Yeah, we're all in agreement. <laughs> yeah. We're for organized. No hot takes. Here yeah, is my favorite. Okay, I'm not gonna I, that would give away too much away, but I think Lucy's gonna no, not say Lucy. Someone's gonna know what this I've is right three away. Three wrong in a row. So <laughs> quote, no, you didn't. You got it the first. Okay, no, quote yeah. one point one trillion, no billion dollars is spent on teaching critical race theory oh that's from the debate that's from the debate republican candidates for u.s senate yeah those crazy now i know that people say crazy stuff when they run but i was at this debate and i just my jaw dropped i didn't think you could go this far and so this is what this woman claimed is running for u.s senate she's this trump candidate this is connecticut leora levy she claimed factually the republicans should have just gone and pulled her mic and said girl sit down here's what she claims her claim was that the pandemic relief money that came to Connecticut, Ned Lamont took $1.1 billion of it and spent it on teaching kids critical race theory. I've just figured my life's work out just now. I'm going to go actually teach critical race theory. So yeah. afterwards, I actually <laughs> asked her. We had she a, met can, Ned Lamont? Can we attach that to reading? Because that's the only that's a good question Lucy had. <laughs> so so I had a, we had an opportunity to talk afterwards. You know, the reporters, I said, you know, you know, I have never heard of any school in Connecticut you know, public school I, I teaches would, critical race theory. My first question her would be, what is critical race theory? Ooh. Who created yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. Because you know so much about it. Who created it? Mm -hmm. What was it designed to do? Like, asked. I would just, can I go to the next person? Yes, yes. You're, you're a reporter there. I'm sick of it. So I asked her, like, well, you know, <laughs> I hadn't heard that any, what schools were teaching this and what program was this, like, that this 1.1 billion? Did she give you the, the Marjorie Taylor? Grant? I don't actually know this. No, she but said, I'm just staff's going to get back to you. So I went to her staff, gave her the card. We didn't, I got it back. But someone else told me, that we should actually do a story on how great it would be if we actually spent $1.1 billion on critical race theory. I mean, like, what would it look like? First of all, I don't know if we'd be able to. That's a heck of a lot of money. Can Connecticut hire me as the critical race? Like, we're going to create a little department. It's going to be just me. And I'm going to do a little segment every week about critical race theory. And it's going to put on public broadcast. I mean, what, what gets in my car, there are so many things here. Because honestly, people would learn a lot from it, actually. But, they knew but what it also, was. like, this is not like when they talk about CRT, they are just talking about wanting to pull like cherry craft from the school bookshelves. And that is what gets in my. They don't want to teach people about racism. No, I know. And so racism. it's yeah. Well, and and well. <laughs> And in good news, thank goodness that uh, you know, there Sarah, are no black people in America. We're just we're not going to 
we just going to act like they, they just they just don't exist as guest workers and and we took good care of and them. we took good care mm. of them and look they're thriving mm. so are we saying lucy oh the what is good news is that circ the state education resource center is getting ready to roll out this high school elective in black and latinx studies yeah in the fall which is great. Are they spending $1.1 billion? No, they're not. I'm trying to find this <laughs> no, $1.1 billion. Robustly funded. That they should be robustly funded. COVID funded. But what's the point if they can't read I, it? I want a Connecticut I mean, statewide <laughs> curriculum on you. CRT. Absolutely. And I want it to have a billion dollars. Yeah, sure 1.1 do. billion. Don't forget the 100 1. million. 1. What is the point if no one can read any of this mm-hmm. stuff? And crazy. I want them to pay that, that, that point one. That's somebody's salary. That's what I want. <laughs> Hundred million. Okay, so folks, and I want them to get on TV with like a dashiki and a kufi, <laughs> and talk about critical race theory because I think that's the only thing that's going to get people's attention. And then we create a little mascot in the same, and that we go drumming in white neighborhoods. Yeah, I, I forgot the drumming. 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 Solid. Tired. And we're gonna be in everybody's Fourth of July parade. Oh. Everybody. Because y'all oh, are stupid. I had another question, but I got to admit, I really want to end on that. It's a great image. I'll save my question. We don't have to talk about the primaries. We can say. <laughs> we can talk about the primaries. No, the primaries, they're coming. We want people to Tuesday know. 1253. State Treasurer, State Primaries in New Haven. has. And the C sound makes a ka, ka, ka. Oh, that's Rose C, Karen Bois Walton, right? I got it. For state treasure. Take your kids to vote and let them read the ballot <laughs> and explain to them what's on the ballot. And will there be any drumming? There might be drumming. Will there be any dashikis and the pookie hair? Oh, a great resource is Gracie's Corner. She's got the bops and the sounding out. There you go. What's Gracie's Corner? It's this great TV show, which is about like reading and words and stuff. It's great. I love it. Conjunction, junction. What's your function? Oh, yes. 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 It's like that, but like, Sesame Street taught us how to read, right? Gracie's Corner has a, a R&B vibe. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's rap. It's vibe. The kids will love it. Gracie's Corner. Gracie's Corner. So maybe, to, so New Haven schools won't do it. We'll get Gracie's Corner, New Haven reads, and we're on, we're on track. We're going to fix it because apparently somebody else ain't going to fix it. Yeah, we got to <laughs> fix this. But we did fix most things on, on Potline, th- Thursday Pundits today on Dateline <laughs> New Haven. I'll say it right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks to Nora Grace Flood. Hitting it out of the park. Building in for Harry Droz as the station manager today. Hi, Nora. 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 And we also love the best pundits in the building, in the business. Babs Rawls Ivy, Marquisha Ricks, and Lucy Gell. All right. Thanks. Hey, Andrew Gearing, because I know you're listening. (laughs) This is Paul Bass. Thanks for listening today. We're we're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience, performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. This is Paul Bass inviting you to fly free with us all day, all night, and all weekend long on WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio.